WBAI Evening News with Paul DiRienzo heard Monday through, I'm sorry, heard Tuesday through Friday at 6 p.m. It is now 6.30. Stay tuned for Radio Gag, Gays Against Guns. Stay tuned. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gaze Against Guns show. Tonight, we are here to honor the victims of the Christchurch massacre, 50 human beings murdered while they prayed. There's a city draped in So, good evening, everybody. Um, my name is Paul Rowley. And I'm Trisha Cook. And uh, tonight, the, uh, this is a weekly Gaze Against Guns show, uh, 6.30 every Tuesday night. Um, tonight, we're going to be focusing on, as Trisha said, on the horrendous massacre at Christchurch, New Zealand last week. And we're going to start the show by honouring the victims, reading their names. Haj Duad Nabi, 71. Khalid Alhaj Mustafa, 45. Ali El Manadi, 65. Ata Elayan, 33. Husna Ahmed, 44. Junaid Ishmael, 36. Hamza Mustafa, 16. Hussein Al Umari, 35. Hukad Ibrahim, 3 years old. Lalik Abdul Hamid, 58. Muhammad Imran Khan, 47. Linda Armstrong, 65. Sayad Milne, 14. Ashraf Ali, 61. Sayyad Jahandad Ali, 34. Mayan Naeem Rashid, in his 40s. Tariq Omar, 24. Matula Safi, 55. Farhaj Hassan, 30. Kamel Darwish, 38. Shahid Suhail, 35. Abdel Fattah Qasim, 60. Musavali Suleiman Patel, 60. Ramiz Arifba Vora, 28. Ansi Alibaba, 25. Ozer Kadir, 24. Arifbai Mohammed Ali Vora, 28. Ashraf Al Mazri. Talha Naim, 21. Harun Mahmoud, 40. Said Ari Bahmed, 26. Mabub Alaraka Kokar, 65. Hussein Mustafa, 70. Amjad Hamid, 57. Munir Suleiman, 68. Zishan Raza, 38. Ghulam Hussein, in his 60s. Karam Bibi, 60. Abdul Qadir Elmi, 70. 
Mosin Al Harbi, 63. Osama Adnan Youssef Kwaik, 37. Mojamel Haq, 30. Mohammed Omar Farouk, 36. Mohammed Abdusi Samad, 66. Musa Nurawale, 77. Ahmad Gamaluddin Abdel Ghana, 60. Ashraf Ali. Zakaria Buyan. And others yet to be named are missing and feared dead. Um, we wanted to read the names out because that's how long it takes to read out 50 names of people that lost their lives. And we apologize for any unintended pronunciation of names. So um, we also wanted to read a short poem. Um, Our fellow gag member Antonius um, is currently in Indonesia and posted this this morning from the 14th century Persian poet Hafiz. Um, We thought it was a beautiful thing to read out. It happens all the time in heaven, and someday it will begin to happen again on earth that men and women who are married, and men and men who are lovers, and women and women who give each other light, often get down on their knees, and while so tenderly holding their lover's hand, with tears in their eyes, will sincerely speak, saying, My dear, how can I be more loving to you? How can I be more kind? Next up, we would like to uh, bring to you our weekly in memoriam. As you know, um, every week we pay homage to a life lost to gun violence um, to remind us why we do this work on this show and why we fight for better gun control in this country. This past weekend, 50 mosque goers were murdered by a white supremacist who live streamed the massacre. Although this particular mass shooting took place in New Zealand, It was all too familiar to too many Americans who have seen a number of shootings perpetrated in places of worship over the years. Last fall, 11 people were murdered at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. In 2015, nine African Americans were killed at the Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Today's In Memoriam focuses on one of the victims of the Charleston shooting, Susie Jackson, who was 87 years old when the white supremacist took her life. Jackson had two children and eight grandchildren, but was a maternal figure to members of her extended family as well as people in her neighborhood. Jackson was the first person the perpetrator aimed at when he pulled a gun from his fanny pack. Her great-nephew, the 26-year-old Tawanza Saunders, tried at first to talk him down. After realizing the white supremacist was completely devoid of empathy, Saunders dove in front of Jackson and was the first person killed in the massacre. Jackson was killed moments later. Saunders' selfless attempt to protect his aunt's life came as no surprise to family and friends. Most would have done the same for Jackson, who spent the majority of her life giving to others while asking for little in return. She cared about others. Felicia Breland, a longtime friend, told a local news outlet after Jackson was murdered. She would lend a helping hand and do anything she could help with. She was that type of person. Jackson's pension for helping people was reflected in her line of work. She was a home health care provider. 
She was also an active member of the Senior Citizens Group in Charleston and sang in the church choir. A moving tribute to Jackson was published in the Huffington Post by Julia Craven after the shooting. In her Requiem, Craven wrote, I didn't know you, but you remind me of my great-grandmother. I imagine you remind a lot of black people of their grandmothers. These larger-than-life women who take on everyone's pain and somehow manage to bring us so much joy. Craven's tribute is a reminder that the victim of the next shooting could be anyone's grandmother. Okay, thank you to Jean Graham for reading this week's In Memoriam. Uh, you're listening to Radio Gag, the Gaze Against Guns show on WBAI. We are this evening discussing what happened last Friday when another safe space uh, was invaded by a mass murderer with semi-automatic weapons. The safe space of a church at Charleston, like we just heard, or at Sutherland Springs, at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, or on the dance floor at Pulse, where, which was the event that led to the formation of Gays Against Guns. Um, and now, two mosques in the usually peaceful town of Christchurch in New Zealand. After the massacre, New Zealand's Prime Minister immediately denounced semi-automatic weapons and called for changes to be looked into by the next working day. Uh, acquiring a military-style semi-automatic weapon is relatively easy in New Zealand, um, similar to here in the U.S. According to a 2017 survey, there are more than 1.2 million firearms among the population of 4.6 million people in New Zealand. New Zealand is also almost alone with the United States in not registering most of its firearms. The country has generally been safe from gun massacres, though. Its last mass shooting, which left 13 people dead, was in 1990. And that led to tighter rules around semi-automatic weapons. Uh, in New Zealand, police officers don't generally carry firearms, and murders are rare. The death toll from Friday's terrorist attack is close to the number of murders that occur in the country each year. Assalamu alaikum. On a quiet Friday afternoon, a man stormed into a place of peaceful worship and took away the lives of 50 people. That quiet Friday afternoon has become our darkest of days. Mr Speaker, there is one person at the centre of this terror attack against our Muslim community in New Zealand. A 28-year-old man, an Australian citizen, has been charged with one count of murder. Other charges will follow. He will face the full force of the law in New Zealand. The families of the fallen will have justice. He sought many things from his act of terror, but one was notoriety. And that is why you will never hear me mention his name. He is a terrorist. He is a criminal. He is an extremist. But he will, when I speak, be nameless. And to others, I implore you, speak the names of those who were lost rather than the name of the man who took them. He may have sought notoriety, but we in New Zealand will give him nothing, not even his name. I want to speak specifically about the firearms used in this terrorist act. I'm advised that there were five guns used by the primary perpetrator. There were two semi-automatic weapons and two shotguns. 
the offender was in possession of a gun licence. I'm advised that this was acquired in November of 2017. A lever-action firearm was also found. While work is being done as to the chain of events that led to both the holding of this gun licence and the possession of these weapons, I can tell you one thing right now. Our gun laws will change. There have been attempts to change our laws in 2005, 2012, and after an inquiry in 2017. Now is the time for change. What's interesting here is the white supremacist perpetrator who took 50 lives was himself an immigrant and was able to buy guns in New Zealand that he would never have been able to buy in Australia. In 1996, after a gunman killed 35 people in Port Arthur, Tasmania, Australia significantly strengthened its gun laws, restricting semi-automatic weapons and engaging in a gun buyback program that took 650,000 guns off the streets. What motivated the killer in Christchurch was the color of his skin. The fact that he himself was an immigrant was totally irrelevant to him. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about it, basically any white person that lives in Australia is an immigrant. They are not the first people to live in that country. But this, you know, basic fact seemed to elude uh, a lot of these mass murderers and racists. Yeah. And so when, when we look at the situation here in the United States, I mean, you know, this morning, uh, coming in before the show, I just thought I'd take a look at how many people we have lost in the United States since the start of the year. So check out these figures. 475 teenagers shot dead, 61 deaths in mass shootings, 441 people shot by the cops, 305 shot dead unintentionally, like people's guns just going off randomly, yeah. 108 children. And none of these figures, these are just shootings that don't include over 22,000 suicide attempts that are made fatal every year by easy access to guns. You know, the, uh, we, we see here in the House, you know, that Bill HR8 has just passed, the bipartisan bill that would establish new background checks requirements for firearms tra- transfers between private parties. But is this going to pass the Senate, you know, which is in lockdown with McConnell and the mm-hmm. GOP, despite so many mass shootings in this country? From Sandy Hook to Pulse to Las Vegas, again and again and again, nothing changes. Uh, so what's the difference between here and Australia? Well, uh, I don't know. Why do we ground all Boeing planes after a crash? Donald Trump said his administration was ordering the grounding of all Max 8 and 9 models hours after Canada said it was grounding the planes. Maybe the aviation industry doesn't have the same stranglehold on our elected politicians as the weapons industry does. Uh, between 2014 and 2018, U.S. arms companies supplied over 50% of the guns sold in New Zealand. Hmm. Um, our, our current sitting president has drawn criticism once again for refusing to call out the white supremacist behind this attack. The killer, who will remain nameless on our show, referenced Donald Trump in his manifesto. Um, in fact, many mass killers in the past couple of years have mentioned our current president as inspiration. The killer at the Tree of Life Synagogue, who shot 11 dead while praying. Last year's mail bomber, a fervent supporter of the president who prepared 13 explosive devices bound for high-profile Democrats in CNN, whom he, perce- who, whom he perceived to be critical of the president. Our current president does nothing to discourage white supremacy here and abroad. He consistently downplays the broader threat posed by white supremacists. 
quote, I think it's a small group of people that have very, very serious problems, he said Friday when asked whether he thought it was a rising issue. Trump's statement contradicts the warnings of his own administration and former military officials. We have a clip here from former naval officer and U.S. counterterrorism expert Malcolm Nance. It is exposed once again that there is a white nationalism international. There is a large group of people around the world. They are not small, and they have been, you know, carrying out attacks against immigrants with this belief that they are in a clash of civilizations between the white Western world and what they call invaders, which is any other person who is not white coming into their communities. If I were the president, I would have shown uh, not just my disgust, but more importantly, shown that the United States stands with New Zealand and would offer any resources. But by actually coddling the white supremacists, he has sent yet another message. These right-wing extremists, militiamen, posse comitatus believers, they go to guns. They want confrontation. Timothy McVeigh, when he blew up the Oklahoma, the Murrah building in Oklahoma City and killed over, you know, the largest number of Americans killed in American history, 186 people, he did it with the same intention. He wanted to stoke a race war between white America and all the rest. And in the manifesto of this killer, he specifically referenced trying to get a race war and to inspire uh, right-wing extremists all around the world. So that's coming from a guy called Malcolm Nance, who basically has spent his career uh, training SWAT teams. So when, you know, not the type of voice we often have on our show here, but, you know, when somebody like that is calling out our current sitting president for his support of white supremacy, you know that things are really, really serious. Trump's first move after the Christchurch attack was to tweet to a link to, a, to the far-right website Breitbart. The, that tweet was subsequently deleted. Last year, he retweeted anti-Muslim videos from British far-right group Britain First. And of course, one of the first things he did in office was to instigate a ban on people from certain Muslim-majority countries from the US. So Islamophobia, promoted by the US president, now leads us to the situation where mass murderers are quoting him in their manifestos. Central to this whole idea of white supremacy, I'm using the word supremacy very much in inverted commas, is the idea of entitlement. Arrogance, an artificially constructed thesis that's so full of holes, it has to be written again and again. Nell Irvin Painter's recent book, The History of White People, takes us on a mind-bending journey through the historical and scientific hoops white people jumped through in order to invent and maintain a concept of whiteness for their own economic and political gain an ideology promoted, of course, always by the leaders of the West. 1937, Winston Churchill told the Palestine, Palestine Royal Commission, um, I, do not for, I do not admit, for instance, that a great wrong has been done to the Red Indians of America or the black people of Australia. I do not admit that a wrong has been done to these people by the fact that a stronger race, a higher grade race, a more worldly wide race, to put it that way, has come in and taken their place. 
British Prime Minister in the 30s. Churchill, Hitler, Mussolini and now Donald Trump, who publicly called for the execution of the innocent Central Park Five in a full-page newspaper ad. Mm. His rallies are characterised by beatings of reporters. Just like Hitler's Lugan press, he constantly rails against the so-called fake news, calls the New York Times the enemy of the people. And of course, one can tell much about a person's character and beliefs by what company they keep. For instance, Trump's pal Steve King, that disgraced racist lawmaker who was unceremoniously stripped of all his House Committee assignments this year for racist rhetoric. King just this weekend shared a graphic that imagined, quote, another civil war, this time between red and blue states. Quote, one side has about an eight trillion bullets while the other side doesn't know which bathroom to use. Wonder who would win, added King, apparently not noticing that his home state was depicted on the losing side. So not white supremacy, but white stupidity. And the current sitting U.S. president has said of him, he's a, quote, special guy, a smart person with really the right views on almost everything. And noting that their views on the issues were so similar that, quote, we don't even have to compare notes. And that Breitbart tweet that was deleted, well, many think that was linking to the homepage where Trump had given an exclusive interview. So again, more Trump self-promotion. And here's what he said. I can tell you I have the support of the police, the support of the military, the support of the bikers for Trump. I have the tough people, but they don't play a tough until they go to a certain point, And then it would be very bad, very bad. So not just self-promotion, but threats and promotion of divisive violence, promoting violence perpetrated by Americans on our fellow citizens. And of course, all this talk of war and civil war just leads to more weapon sales, stockpiling of arms, just like the shooting up of sales every time we have a mass shooting here in the US. Yeah, and the shooting up of sales even in New Zealand after Absolutely, Friday. yeah, absolutely. People were afraid that they were going to take away their fourth, fifth and sixth gun. Um, so, I mean, here with Gays Against Guns, you know, as any of you listen to our show, you know, we really are an, a direct action group who are really trying to shut this craziness down and just to stop this happening from anybody else. Um, And, you know, we really do think that it would be great if people could come and help us out with this. You know, as Trisha, you were saying earlier, the the more chisels, the more we can kind of chip away at the foundation of all of this. Yes, because it's weakening. I mean, we're making great progress. And I, I can't encourage everyone out there enough to come to our meetings and get involved. I mean, we talk a lot about how much fun we have uh, in our meetings and in our actions, and that's true. And, you know, uh, there are great people. There's candy, and there's glitter and paint, and uh, it couldn't, you couldn't have a better time on every other Thursday night. But really what we need um, are people, like dedicated people out there creating change because uh, that's the only way we're going to do it. Yeah, and, you know, the NRA have never been weaker. We've led seriously successful campaigns against FedEx and then, you know, with the next wave of GVP with the students from Parkland and so on. You know, we really are in a position here where we can possibly implement change and continue to, as we have done already. Yes, legislative change. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, gazeagainstguns.net is our website. Um, there's oh, we also have a Facebook page, which is where you pretty much get the most up to date info on upcoming actions. Um, and we meet every other Thursday at the LGBT Center on 13th Street in Manhattan. Our next meeting 
is a week from Thursday. A right? week from Thursday, yeah. and uh, great stuff is happening. Uh, last week, we had a brainstorming session on uh, creating uh, gag youth chapters all over the country, and uh, we are really working hard out there. Yeah. So please come if you can. And you know, if you can't come, one thing you can do is you can become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Um, this is a really great way to support our show. As far as I know, we're the only gun violence prevention group with our own weekly radio show. Um, I could easily be wrong, but um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, basically being a BAI buddy means that you chip in a little bit of money every month. You know, you sign up for a donation or you can be a once-off thing and just helps keep our show on the air. You know, this is all volunteer work um, and we would really appreciate it. So if you can't come to a meeting and help us out with the cause, you know, but you really do want to do something about gun violence prevention in this country, you know, we have a great giveaway this month, actually, for 50 bucks, um, an advanced copy of Jennifer Berry Hall's book, Grace Will Lead Us Home, which is um, subtitled The Charleston Massacre and the Hard, Inspiring Journey to Forgiveness. It's a really powerful read. Um, 50 bucks, I uh, give to WBAI.org. We'll get you a, book, a copy of that book before it gets published in June. And we also have our, our regular bag of gag buttons and our classic, now classic NRA sachet away pin. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting to the end of our show now. And, Trish, you picked out a beautiful song to yes, finish to end us up the show. with. Um, we're going to leave you with a song from Pakistan uh, by Noor Jahan, known as the Queen of Melody. Um, uh, she sings, I lit the lamp of my heart, but I couldn't find you anywhere. <laughs> 